Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Season 5, Episode 116, recorded Sunday, July 16th, 2023. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health, and sustainability. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cinturpino. Yes, it is Sunday, and I moved up the recording a day because I'm going to be out of town tomorrow. Donna and I are heading up to Maine for a bit of reunion with some of my classmates from the Naval Academy. I didn't get to catch up with them in Annapolis last year as we were diving in Little Cayman. It will be a short trip to reconnect. So our first open water class with the Scuba Educational Alliance of Connecticut is complete. We certified our three students, and it was such a rewarding experience to see these young folks grow, gain confidence, camaraderie, teamwork, and finish with a sense of accomplishment and big smiles. Our hope is that they now continue on as ocean stewards now that they are certified scuba divers. Now it's time to plan out our next program. As I mentioned last time, our countdown for diving in the Sea of Cortez is on. Less than two weeks now. I'm still trying to figure out our schedule for the show. Looks like I may try to do a show next week before we head out. So stay tuned. But on today's show, I want to talk a little bit about where I think the best dive locations are for new divers. I decided to do this after reading an article in the May Scuba Diving Magazine. But up first is Wet Notes, my news, information, and commentary segment. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Sunday, July 16, 2023. Up first, the registration for the Dive Equipment and Marketing Association show, the DEMA show, is now open. Now, the DEMA show is open to all dive professionals, as well as those who are in the diving industry, like manufacturers, dive travel agencies, training agencies and resorts, as well as local dive shops. This year's show is in New Orleans, and it promises to be big. The early bird rate, if you're a DEMA member, is $55 for the full package. After October 16th, it jumps to $75. As a DEMA member, you save on the non-member rate of $180. Now, that's a pretty good savings. I've already signed up our shop and our dive professionals who are going. We're going to be well represented with a total of six of us heading down to the Big Easy. Well, I hope to see you down there. Now here's something that I wasn't aware of. Did you know that there is an underwater concert that happens every year in the Florida Keys? Yes, there is an event, the Lower Keys Underwater Music Festival. Now it took place on Saturday, July 8th. They had a little segment on our local news about it. That's how I found out about it. Now this is an underwater concert that happens at Lou Key Reef, which is about six miles south of Big Pine Key if you're familiar with the Keys. 
Apparently, there's a local radio station that pipes the music in underwater. The purpose of the event is to promote coral reef preservation. One of the reports that I read said that there were several hundred snorkelers and divers. I also saw some pictures of the divers playing a faux guitar, a ukulele, a harp, and a trumpet. One diver was even holding an, um, under, a microphone underwater pretending to sing. I was very surprised to see that this was the 39th annual Lower Key Underwater Music Festival. Just goes to show that there are so many different ways to have fun underwater. I'm wondering what was on that playlist. All right, Shark Week is just around the corner, so I thought I'd do a couple of updates on shark-related activities. Not only is Shark Week just around the corner, I told you about the great shark snapshot last month, and that is going to be happening next week, and that's sponsored by the Shark Trust. Well, the Shark Trust is also sponsoring an an exhibit called Oceanic 31, and it is billed as a shark art exhibit, and what they did was to go out and get a group of artists who are passionate about sharks and, and conservation to create 31 paintings, drawings, sculptures, and digital media representing a species of shark or ray that lives in the ocean. Now, the Shark Trust is located in the UK, and the exhibit is going to be taken around the various venues between the summer of 2023 through autumn 2024. Well, if you can't get out there to see it in person, there is a virtual tour of Oceanic 31. You just go to the sharktrust.org website, and from there, uh, there's a menu that you select that says Get Involved. Then you'll be able to see Oceanic 31. They have a very nice digital guidebook as well as a virtual tour where you can make your way through the exhibit. Now, at the end of the tour, the Shark Trust is going to auction off all the artwork to benefit the organization. And here's another option. You can buy a print. It just costs 35 pounds British sterling or $45 US. You can even get them framed, but that gets to be a little uh, expensive. My second update on sharks comes out of Florida. Now, there's an organization in Jacksonville called OSEARCH. Now, this is a nonprofit organization that is conducting unprecedented research on sharks. Their mission is to accelerate the ocean's return to balance and abundance. In addition to all the great news about their research, there's also news that OSEARCH was recently awarded a $5 million grant from the state of Florida to build a new global headquarters in Jacksonville. This is great news because it allows them to continue to expand on what is the largest shark tagging and oceanic research organization in the world. I looked at some of the information on their website, and it looks like they started in 2007 and have been affiliated with Jacksonville University since 2017. They have also conducted 45 expeditions over that time period, and you can get more information on each of them on their website. The hope is that they will break ground on the new facility in 2024. By the way, the shark tracker on their main website page is really interesting. Check it out at ocearch.org, osearch.org. And now for some commentary. Last weekend, I spent a little time on YouTube looking at various videos about diving. And I came across several that talked about the tragic events that took place in Montana a couple of years ago. And I've got to say, after watching them, I was angry. 
angry that there are dive shops and professionals out there who really don't take, understand what it means to keep your students safe during training. Now, I'm not going to focus on the specific horrific situation, but talk a little bit about our duty of care as instructors and dive professionals. Yes, being a dive shop owner like I am dictates that you strive to be profitable and thrive. And our customers who are our students learning to dive or extending their diving education are critical to running a successful business. But at what cost? Certainly not at the cost of safety. Now, I believe that businesses and instructors that compromise their students' safety is a small fraction of our industry. Some people may argue with me on that one. It isn't hard to focus on safety, but it's also easy to lapse. Let's start with equipment. Why in heaven's name would you put a student in the water with equipment that is not functioning properly? Perhaps there was a torn mouthpiece on a regulator or a BC hose that's leaking. Oh, you'll be okay. It's not that bad. Bad answer. We are meticulous with having spare equipment at our training site and ready to swap out equipment that is not functioning properly. How hard is it to replace a torn mouthpiece or an octokeeper? Sure, you can have uh, a malfunction on a dive. It happens. Now, if you have a piece of gear that fails, tag it and make sure that it gets fixed before you send it back out. I've also heard instructors sometimes say, I want my students overweighted. Getting the weight correct for a student diver is hard. They often don't exhale, exhale completely and they're very nervous. You may have to add more weight to overcome that anxiety. But don't start there and certainly don't stay there. I can go on and on here, but one final point is don't take your students into an environment that they are not ready for uh, from either an experience or training perspective. Let me give you an example. Last week, I conducted an open water course for three high school students. We did this in a local quarry. Now, I have done a lot of open water certification dives there in the past, but it had been several years since I was there. Before I took the students to the platform and around the dive site, I made sure to check out the underwater conditions for visibility, temperature, and to reorient myself with the dive site. One of the attractions at the site is a small airplane. It's a little further out from where we were conducting the skills. We thought it would be a great experience for the students to visit the plane. Well, I decided to check it out first. Results, practically no visibility and exceedingly cold for our non-dry suit students. I can't imagine how stressful it would have been to take those students there. In my opinion, it wasn't safe for them at this juncture of their training. So we did a nice dive along the slope of the quarry wall with much better visibility and thermal comfort. And they had big smiles at the end. In my opinion, if you're a dive shop or instructor that isn't able to keep your students safe, please consider another line of work. Well, that's it for this installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio. In the May edition of Scuba Diving Magazine, there was an article written by Brooke Morton on the best dive destinations for beginner divers. The article is in the travel section of that edition if you want to read it. And you can see what Brooke has to say. She has a different article in each issue about the best places for diving, whether it be for macro or other specific diving objectives. 
So I thought about that article a bit and decided I would come up with my five destinations that I think are are great for beginning divers. Before I get into my list, I thought I'd take a few seconds to tell you about Brooke's list. Number one on her list is Bonaire, followed by Hawaii. Number three is Curacao, and then come the Bay Islands. And number five, she has the Florida Keys, and the list rounds out with Thailand at the sixth spot. Now, I have been to five of the six destinations, so I can judge based on my own experience. I have not been to Thailand diving. Who knows? Maybe someday. First off, I'm not going to rank my destinations. I'm going to present them in a little bit different manner. I'm going to, about, I'm going to talk about them in the distance from my home. They are all unique, and at the same time, I believe they are great destinations for diving if you're just starting out on your underwater journey. So here we go. Now, you might not think of local diving when you're contemplating dive travel for new divers. I know when I first started, I wanted to get away, but life doesn't always allow you to travel. There are things like a job that keep you from heading someplace, but that doesn't mean you can't keep diving. For us here in Connecticut, an absolutely fantastic place for new divers to head is to Fort Wetherall in Jamestown, Rhode Island. Now, it's about 90 miles from our dive shop, and we make the trip regularly during the dive season. The dive site is easily accessible as a shore dive from an active boat ramp, and the depths are at about 20 to 25 feet, making it ideal for new divers who want to gain confidence with their equipment, buoyancy, and comfort in the ocean. The site is also pretty well protected, and unless the wind is coming directly from the south, there really aren't any adverse conditions to deal with. Although I did see that there was a lot of seaweed there last weekend. So Fort Weatherall in Jamestown, Rhode Island is my first location for beginning divers. Up next, just a little bit of a plane ride away for us now that Dutch Springs in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania has closed, is Key Largo. Key Largo was my very first dive trip only a couple of weeks after I got certified. It is pretty easy for us to get there from New England by flying direct to Fort Lauderdale or Miami. There are plenty of shallower dive sites to explore like Molasses Reef, French Reef, the City of Washington or Benwood Wrecks, or you can head over to Christ of the Abyss. There are also plenty of operators that understand that there are many new divers who head to Key Largo, and they will certainly help you as you begin your diving career. For me, I think the best times to dive Key Largo are between mid to late April through October, but I've also been there in December. Just know that the wind does pick up and conditions could get a little choppy. I'd time it right if I was a new diver. Let's now head a little further south to Grand Cayman, one of my all-time favorite dive resorts is Sunset House. As a new diver, you'll be able to work on your skills from the outstanding house reef. Before getting on the boat for the first time, you can enter via the ocean pool, get your weighting figured out, and make sure you're comfortable with all your gear, especially if you purchase new gear or you're renting from Sunset Divers. You can make it to Grand Cayman in late morning or early afternoon, then check in with the dive shop and get that first afternoon shore dive in before heading to the boats the next morning. You will be treated to some warm temperatures, excellent visibility, and pretty stress-free diving. With unlimited shore diving, 
you can start to rack up a lot of experience. We're heading back there again next May, and we'll certainly let our new divers know that this is an outstanding place for them to start their diving. My next location for uh, new divers is Bonaire. Yes, we're heading out a little bit further. I had never been to Bonaire until March of this year, and I'm looking forward to getting back there. For new divers, one of the nice things that they require in Bonaire is that everyone do a checkout dive before they go on the boats. At Divi Flamingo, where we stayed, it's a very easy dive on Calabas Reef. Once again, you can get your weight dialed in, refamiliarize yourself with your dive gear, and work on your buoyancy before getting on the boat. Also, I found that most of the dives down there were fairly shallow, and there's so much to see. You don't have to go on that deep uh, wreck dive. And finally, the furthest destination, uh, at least from where we live here in Connecticut, is the Philippines, and specifically Dumaguete. Yes, it's halfway around the world, and getting there is a journey. But wow, once you get there, you are in for a treat as a new diver. The dives are pretty easy and not deep. Plus, if you're at a resort like Atlantis, the dive leader to group ratio is very low, normally six divers to one dive leader. You'll get a lot of individual attention and help. We are headed there in a few months, and we have some newer divers or less experienced divers coming along. And I'm confident they will do very well in Dumaguete and have a pretty amazing time. Yes, you will be treated to some spectacular underwater life and color. Once again, I didn't rank these dive destinations. That wouldn't be fair because they are all unique. And not everyone is able to afford to travel to faraway places, nor do they have the time to make these treks. So my list is based on distance from my home. Don't discount the local dive scene. So let me review my list uh, as, as far as my five places go uh, with respect to location from my home. One, Fort Weatherall, Jamestown, Rhode Island. Two, Key Largo, Florida. Three, Grand Cayman. Four, Bonaire. And five, the Philippines. One thing for sure, however, is that new divers need to get out there diving. There are a lot of opportunities, whether they are close to your home or a long way away. If you're a new diver, make your list of potential dive destinations. And, or if you're an experienced diver, please tell any new diver about where you'd recommend they head to start their diving adventure. Yes, keeping new divers engaged is important, whether it be to some exotic new diver-friendly location or closer to home. The more you dive, the more you want to dive. Well, that wraps up this episode of Scuba Shack Radio. Once again, thanks to everyone who's supporting the show, and I'll talk to you again real soon. Take care, enjoy the summer, and stay safe.
Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast supporting our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.